Hello, welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete. It's a very exciting day today. I have a wonderful guest as usual. I am chatting to the unstoppable, brilliant Patricia Bright. You have probably heard of Patricia. She is one of the biggest names in the YouTube space. And with a background in financial consulting, she is a really great voice in the entrepreneurial finance conversation, especially gearing towards millennial women. She offers up her experiences and knowledge across her multi-award winning, globally recognized YouTube channel of over 4 million subscribers. And she's nurtured her online platforms for the last 10 years. She's a really trusted voice. She is someone who's very honest and open and shares a lot about her personal finances, which I find very inspiring. And this year she launched The Break, which is an online channel to share tips, advice and classes on business, personal development and personal finance. She's got fingers and pies and we talk about that in this episode about having multiple income streams, how to be entrepreneurial and how we can teach ourselves new things ongoing. And she also has a really great podcast. It's called Caught Off Guard and it explores similar topics, but in a very candid way with guests. Season two is out now. I will definitely be tuning in. She's got some great guests lined up. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Patricia. And if you did, why not hop over to Apple Podcasts and give Control-Alt-Delete a little boost and a review. It would be very much appreciated. So first of all, I really wanted to ask you about your background in the financial industry, because I, I didn't know this about you. And I loved reading about your transition from working in that industry, but then not completely taking the leap into YouTube, but doing like a bit of a middle ground when you were still trying to learn. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people see me as like a beauty and fashion creator on YouTube and Instagram, which I have been. But while I started, I actually worked within investment banking as well as financial consulting. So I worked within technology in that space, but there were lots of different you know, financial projects I was working with. And I graduated in accounting and finance and I didn't love it, you know, I just did it because it was a good degree to do and it would make my parents happy. And I liked it and I was good at it. And then um, I kind of, you know, had a great job in the city and I was working. So it was very difficult for me to leave my job and then become a YouTuber before it was even a thing to be a YouTuber. So I worked for five years while also being a creator um, on YouTube. And once I was kind of biggish enough and confident enough that this wouldn't be, you know, a career burning thing to do, I made the jump um, to become a full-time online creator. I love that because I feel like a lot of your knowledge around this industry is very much trying to make people feel safe and like they've got a strategy. It's not just the whole quit your job and you'll be fine kind of language. It's like, no, 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 you need a plan and you had a plan and that there's so much that goes into making these decisions for our lives. Exactly. I am risk averse. I tell everyone I'm really risk averse. I do not like taking big risks. And, you know, I tell the boring story of me having a spreadsheet before I left my last job. And I did like a calculation for like 10 years to determine if 
this would be financially worth it if I left the great job that I was at. And you now my final job was at Bank of Tokyo and it was great. I had a great manager. I was on a great salary. I had a great trajectory, but this niggling opportunity was in the background, but I didn't just jump into it. I really had to look at what was my options and how could I protect myself just in case. Yes. And underlying all of that, I guess there has to be this feeling of wanting to bring something or kind of connect with others or have a deeper purpose because I feel like you only make the spreadsheet and you only take the kind of small risks if you really truly believe it's kind of what you're meant to be doing yeah there's a you know there's that hope that you see that this could be something and this could be something I really enjoy and it could really build my future and I was like looking at my job and as much as I was really comfortable with it I was like there's something here so no there was that aspect was a really important part when I made my decision. But I also didn't just jump. So I actually left the financial world. I quit for like three weeks and I panicked. And then I actually got another job within like a marketing company who was working in the um, industry I was in, in the, the influencer space. And that was my fear. It crept in within three weeks. I was like, I need a job. And then after Two and a half months, I left there and really went for steam ahead to do what I was doing by myself. It's always rooted in having your head screwed on, which is really what we need. Um, But I wanted to talk to you about your amazing new platform, The Break. This feels like you've created a hub to take back control and join a community. And I feel like you're one of the few people that have done this first. Yeah, I know. People keep making mention of it. And I don't realize that it might be a thing. But for me, obviously, my background is finance. I've been working for myself. And I found that there were these questions I would kept kept being asked about, um, you know, finances and accounting and money. And I was freely just giving this information. And I just thought there's a better way for me to communicate this. And there's such a big need for people to feel a bit more confident and less ashamed when it comes to talking about money. And I'm, I'm like, you know what, I'm unapologetic. I'll talk about it. I'll talk about my numbers. I don't care. And I like the idea of kind of being able to, to be that person who shares my experiences and my mistakes. I made a lot of financial mistakes on my journey. Like HMRC know me, like (laughs) I've done a lot of things and I don't want anyone to make some of those financial mistakes that I made. Um, And that information wasn't out there to prepare me. So this is what I want to do. Oh, it's so needed. I mean, I was reflecting on my own money journey just preparing this interview it made me realize that all of the financial advice I've ever got is actually from like my dad or my partner or my brother men basically and I just I don't really like that like why I'm lucky that I've had it but it shouldn't really be that way surely a hundred percent like people say oh my dad helps me with my money or my dad gives me financial advice and I think about all the people who don't necessarily have dads who are around to give them any advice they're at such a disadvantage and you know if you can learn from the mistakes that I've done I feel like I've done a good deed in the world but also I think that this generation based on a lot of things that we're facing and you know just based on the state of the world they want to know more they don't want to be fed these lies and these stories from these guys in suits who are all the way over there they need this information in a way that's 
relatable. And I feel like I've almost come full circle from my accounting background to my creative background to almost being an entertainer. And I'm trying to kind of like combine all of that, but also provide value. Yes. You're like teaching people in an entertaining way. And yeah. your YouTube videos on this topic have been watched by, you know, millions for that reason. And it's it's amazing. I, I wanted to talk to you actually about the fact that you do talk numbers because I feel like that is so unique as well about you is you do put it all out there. I, f- I feel really inspired to be more honest about my numbers having seen your videos. And I think it made me realize how maybe I was worried about talking numbers because I was like, well, what if it's a fluke and what if it all goes away? <laughs> and yeah. it's almost like the confidence of saying it out loud is brilliant. But I noticed that people google people and try and work out what their net worth is all the time and people are obsessed with knowing I wondered is it like an empowering thing as well for you to say here it is you don't need to snoop around like I'll tell you yeah it is empowering do you know what I don't know it's empowering but I also know how valuable it is because I think sometimes giving someone specific numbers you know I had the video on how I budget my 60,000 a year salary so if someone's got a salary that's 30,000 a year it also gives them a bit of a benchmark of how they can work with what they they use and what mm-hmm. they have. And I feel like, I don't know, I just want to make things as easy as possible to understand for people. And so numbers give people a practical way to look at things. Yes, totally. Especially if you have businesses, because I think one thing I learned even in the last five years is having having a personal account and having a business account are very two different things yes so you need to work out like your salary is different from actually how much money you make every year and the difference between the two have you always been someone who is happy to share is this does this come naturally to you or do you post on those YouTube videos and feel a bit nervous I think I always feel a bit nervous. I always have like a cringe moment, like a, oh, this is awkward. But, you know, one of my favorite lines is like, feel the fear and do it anyway. But I think that there's inevitably some something about people who share their lives on the internet who are potentially oversharers anyway. So I might be in that category of people who just feel quite comfortable in sharing. But I also think it's okay for me to feel uncomfortable a little bit if it's able to help someone else. And talking about helping, something I think is brilliant um, as well on the subject of money that you do is talking about investment. Because that is another thing that I just, they don't tell us. No one tells us about this stuff. And hearing about how you invest in property in other ways, how did you learn about that? How did I learn about that? (laughs) I don't know. I just watched a lot of YouTube videos. But, you know, my mum was kind of, an investor she bought a couple of houses did them up you know she didn't really know what she was doing either so I think I saw that and I also saw the challenges around that so I feel like it taught me how to change things and how to make things a bit better so I'm a saver I'm a I'm focused on building long-term wealth because I know how quickly money can come and go I know how difficult it is for the everyday person to have enough. So I know I knew that it was really important for me to learn about it and maximize it because I think I'm on my own personal journey. So why not share that with other people? Yes. And and do you have anything just like a quick tip or just something that springs to mind around investing? Because something that I've been thinking about is trying to make sure what I'm inve- what I'm investing into if I'm if I'm with some sort of portfolio company because it really freaked me out knowing that they could be investing that money into like cigarettes or 
war uh, machinery or like awful things that I don't want to be involved in. I d- anything like that, that people can tangibly be like, okay, I'll look out for that. This is actually a re- re- really great point. So if you want to be investing with um, people who have an ethical standard. So I know that, you know, I don't know if I can say specific brands, but there are actually specific investment companies who have an ethical arm. So they will make sure that they're only investing into ethical businesses on your behalf. If that's something that you're interested in there's even ones that are focused around um women's investing for those who you know they may think that we want things that are different in our portfolios but there's the option to just invest in index funds um, because they follow the market they're super simple it's the top 100 in the uk or the top 500 in the us and you can scroll through those companies and see if you find yourself aligned with them um, from a you know ethical standpoint but index funds are like the secret if you don't know where to start you know make sure you're putting money into your pension and then the money that's going into your pension should probably be going into some form of passive investment by an, an index fund I read somewhere that we're all pretty much all of us are all just recovering bad with money people I don't know if that's true for you but I just feel like I'm constantly just trying to improve and I feel like even in 10 years time I'll look back and be like what were you doing oh my god we've come a long way though I think more people are talking about it and are becoming more confident about it and I think that means we're going to make better decisions like the world we live in is all about consuming it's all about spending 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 and I think there there has to be a balance of saying whoa 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 it's okay to spend but it's okay to think a little bit long time term and I think the lesson we can see now is that there are no guarantees like you just don't know what's going to happen so it's kind of a good idea to have something planned for a rainy day exactly and there was this quote that I think in, in an interview you did with Glamour magazine they'd quoted that um 51% of people have increased anxiety right now to do with their personal finances around the pandemic. And I, and obviously it's such a, almost like an, an emotional time to be talking about money. Yeah. But I wrote a book two years ago about having multiple income streams and everyone kind of found it strange that I was saying that that is an empowering move. And they were like, well, having a full-time job is safer than doing that. And I was like, I don't know. I feel safer having a few different things going on. And I feel like now we're going into this shift of realizing that one income stream is like not enough. And some some people can be, you know, a bit freaked out by that. It feels like more work. But once you have your setup, it's not more work. It's just a different way of doing things. Do you feel that way about having fingers and pies? thousand percent a thousand percent and actually yeah you're right you know talking about that two or three years ago was quite novel it's not something that most people are used to they graduate they get a job and they work their way up and it just isn't happening like that for anyone anymore um or in the same way and it's great that you were writing what you were writing then I think people should go and pick up your book again (laughs) Um, and I yeah thanks although I'm a bit like you know it 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 seems strange to push anything at this time to do with that but I I do feel really passionate about it I think there's going to be someone who finds value in it right now so yeah push I would say feel the fear do it anyway whatever let's let people know but even for me I've seen I mean my background and I realize that the reason why I'm so passionate about money and finances 
I had the bailiffs at my door, like growing up. So I have anxiety around this kind of things. I've seen things come and I've seen things go. I've seen people have jobs today and not tomorrow. And I think at the back of my head, I always feel like something could be taken away. Like your bike could be gone, your TV could be gone. So make sure you have some kind of prep. And I think, you know, if you're able to weather the bad times, they give you lessons for the future and actually equip you a little bit more. So yeah, the idea of multiple streams of income is not something that I was scared of. I always feel like I'm preparing for the worst to happen. Yeah, me too. So I read your book when it came out and I loved it and I wondered actually on that topic of hustle because I do feel like right now especially we're all having to hustle in whatever way we can do you ever step back and think I'm good I can calm down a little bit or are you always just is it your personality you just want to keep creating keep doing I love that you said keep creating so yes it is my personality to keep creating and I, I've accepted that that is a part of life that it's not about hitting a certain um destiny or or a point like i'm not going to be like right uh, i've made it now i think the ability to continue creating whatever comes to my mind i want to do a thing and i try it out and i can make a living off the back of it every single time makes me really happy and i i accept that that's part of my journey but there's always this thought that it could come to an end any day and you know i accept that it's interesting you say that though because I think of you as someone who has reinvented what you're doing not in a way of reinventing yourself you've always been so yourself through what I've watched I I love that but everything you do there doesn't seem like there's a time limit on any of it so to for you to feel like that is quite comforting in a weird way (laughs) oh no I I definitely know that nothing's promised tomorrow there's going to be someone else more interesting or something else that's a hotter topic and that and that's fine that's like cycles of life that's normal um but reinvention is good but i try to focus on making sure i'm challenging myself through every stage of my life and you know we all grow we all change and what i create will also grow and change along with me as well and also it feels like sometimes that sort of uh, reinvention or keeping on our toes is something that people think of people like us who create content for the internet but it's actually everyone it's literally everyone no matter what job everyone's got to keep moving and changing I wanted to ask you really quickly just as as someone who doesn't have children how has that changed the way you run your business or or has it um yeah children they add such a beautiful layer and flavor to life but it does make things more complicated when it comes to working and working for yourself and running a business because you know when you are self-employed or a freelancer your work is everything you work any hour that you have And you're quite focused on that, but children will take your focus and they can make you work harder because they give you almost something to work for, Like they give you almost a sense of purpose. And I find that I know what I want for my children. So I I, I can work really hard because I think about them, but in the same breath, it's really hard when you need to be around them and you want to connect with them. So it's difficult. Um, But the thing that I've learned is the importance of balance and, um, what's the word? Uh, boundaries. That's, that, mm. that's what my therapist says, boundaries. <laughs> and that yes. really learning how to manage time 
is essential with children. And, you know, I have a great husband, so teamwork is really important as well. But knowing that, okay, at 6 a.m. this is happening, at 5 a.m. this is happening, 7 p.m. you've got to change this nappy and make this bottle and whatever. Like the way, the amount of, I don't know, military position you have to run things is is crazy. And that is what happens with children. Wow. I always remember like work colleagues back when I worked in an office, they'd be like, it is amazing what you can get done. They'd be out of there by 4 p.m. And I would know I could probably faff around for a few hours. Yeah. <laughs> there was no faffing. <laughs> because you have to just get stuff done because they'll call you in a minute. Yeah, because I was reading some interviews you did today and I think there was one, I think it was in Grazia maybe, but you basically said that you liked the idea of your kids looking at you and being like, wow, look at my mum, like she's doing all this stuff. No, I, I like the idea of them looking at it, but also being involved. So I see my kids in the office with me. My, my daughter comes into my studio all the time. Well, what's mummy doing? And she'll watch me. So I like the idea of at least having them in proximity to what I'm doing and then, but also switching off when I need to and being dedicated to them as well. Yeah. It's a, it's a balancing act, but I wouldn't want it any other way. So lastly, I just wanted to ask you actually about your podcast, because for someone that's been on YouTube and doing that so brilliantly, how have you found moving to all the audio world and doing the podcast? Because it's a different vibe. I love it. I, I'm not as good as you yet. <laughs> no, there's so many amazing pros that I kind of look towards. I'm like, wow, what you're doing is great. And it's an art form. It's such an art form. Like video is an art form and being great on Instagram is an art form. Also, you know, being on, on podcasts is, is an art form. So for me, I knew that there's an audience here who also want the content that I create, maybe in a way that's a little bit more refined, a bit more conversational. And so I wanted to bring, you know, my own community of people who I know who are really cool, who are also entrepreneurial and hustlers or people who've done some things that are interesting that I wanted to have conversations with. And so I know that at least my audience might want to also hear from them as well. So we've got some great guests on sharing their journeys and just having general chats, which I, I really am enjoying doing. Yeah. Do you find that it's also because this year has been a lot, like underlined, a lot in many ways, everything that's gone on this year, I feel like we've all changed as people. This year is like a formative year, I think, in my life. And I'm glad that it's happened to me in my 30s. So let me think about it, that my daughter, who's only, you know, 10 months, she's not going to remember this. And this might be the only time this, something like this happens in her lifetime. And I speak to my, my husband's um, nan, who's 95 years old, and she talks about, you know, the wartime and how she wasn't, I don't know if she was alive entirely then maybe I don't know but she talks about the fact that well for five years that kids were sent away from from their family members because you know they didn't want to get bombed and they were sent to the countryside I'm like we can handle a year of like don't go to the pubs because there was a season where it was a lot worse than that and from this time I know that this is going to just impact me and I'll learn from it in a way that I don't think any other experience would um, I'd be able to learn from. So yeah, yeah. A thing like this only happens once in a person's lifetime. 
I mean, I really hope it's just once because I want this to be like a little speck in the history book. I would hate for this to be like, oh, another pandemic in another few years. No, thanks. 30 or 40 years, something might happen. And then we'd be like, oh, I remember when that happened in 2020 or whatever. Who knows? But I, I was thinking whether maybe people like me, who I put myself into this category of someone who is a bit of a workaholic, love my job, no shame around that. But there is still a stigma, I think, of people who are like obsessed with work. And I do think this year has forced a lot of people to slow down. And I do think that is a good thing. Yeah, I'm a workaholic. I'm in that category as well. Have I slowed down? Yeah, I spent way more time with my family and it's been great, surprisingly. But I also feel that jumping back into my work is like my happy place. And I'm like, thank God I've got that (laughs) because it's a distraction as well. Actually, they say that people who retire earlier die earlier. So there's something about work that makes people live longer. So it's not a bad thing. Yeah, I, I always find it really weird when I get emails from people going, hi, Emma, I'd love to be a guest on your podcast. I retired when I was 25. Do you want to know how I did it? And I'm like, not really. <laughs> well, not boring. They're probably happy, but working gives you purpose. It's something to do. Like, what else are you going to do? Like, just watch TV or go on walks by yourself because everyone else is working? I don't know. If you enjoy what you do work-wise, it won't feel like it's, I don't know, a pain. You'll feel happy to do it in your 80s. Exactly. That's the goal. That is the goal. Um, well, thank you so much for talking to me. It's We're doing it on like a an evening. It's dark outside. My brain is definitely not as switched on as normal, but um, it's been so lovely getting to chat to you. So your podcast has a second season coming. It has, it? yes. Yeah. So when does that come? I believe it might be out now, I think, or now or tomorrow. But yeah, the Court of Guard podcast is season two is out available on all the different podcast platforms that are there. We've got some really good guests, having some great conversations with people who are doing some amazing stuff out there. So your listeners can hopefully find us. <laughs> oh, amazing. Podcasts have got me through. I'm going to listen. I've got some washing up to do and I'll be listening to that. Amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs>